0: We are um, looking at Luke chapter 6, and uh, this is uh, called the Sermon on the Plain. Uh, And we started this sermon series immediately after Easter intentionally um, because we wanted to talk about uh, life after faith. Um, how, how we live as the kingdom of God present, as followers of Christ, as those who believe and trust in his life, death, and resurrection, the gospel, what should our lives look like? How does it look to be the kingdom of God present today in a world that is still uh, fallen and broken? So last week, Pastor Greg did a great job. He was filling in for me um, some incredibly Practical teaching from Jesus, um, teaching that while it was very, very practical, it it still is very contrary um, to what his listeners were expecting. Very upside down. The kingdom of God really is an upside down kingdom. Uh, and, And that continues this week. Right, the, the upside-down kingdom of God. We're going to look this week at, at Luke chapter 6, verses 37 through 42, where Jesus talks about judging others, right? to judge or not to judge. As many times as I have um, studied Jesus' teachings, He never ceases to amaze me. His words to us um, are just as incredible today as the day that he spoke them. And I will tell you for myself, just working through this all week long and even before this week, Um, just as convicting. So let's pray together before we look at Luke chapter 6, verses 37 through 42, to judge or not to judge. Um, Pray with me, if you will. Don't just listen to me, but actually join me in in prayer. Pray for one another. Pray for yourself. Um, There's some things in here that uh, probably, I don't know, might hit a nerve. Uh, And so pray that the Holy Spirit would be good to us into the day to encourage us, to convict where that's needed, and to shape us into the image of Jesus, because that's what this is about. Will you pray that with me? Good. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we can come together, um, that we can pray together, that we have access to you because of Jesus. Thank you uh, that we can come humbly yet boldly and ask you to do what only you can do uh, in our midst today. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would be great here, that you would be all the things that Jesus promised you would be when he said that, that, that he would send you. Uh, Holy Spirit, be good to us today in a, in a mighty way to bring encouragement, encouragement in our lives where that's needed, to bring conviction where that's needed, um, belief and faith where that is lacking. We pray that you would shape us more and more into the image of Jesus. We love you and it's in his name we pray amen. Okay, Um, so Luke chapter 6 verses 37 through 42, to judge or not to judge, I want to remind us quickly of the audience that Jesus has been talking to in this uh, sermon. If you remember, Jesus had gone up on the hillside and he had spent the night praying on the hillside. He went to be alone And then Jesus called his disciples to himself, and and from his disciples, Jesus chose the 12 who would be um, his apostles, the 12 minus, of course, Judas. Uh, They walked down together from the the mountain or from the the hilltop. They walked down together to a plain, Uh, Jesus, the 12 disciples, and with him, all of his other disciples, and Luke tells us that there were a multitude of People who had gathered from all over the region, all of these people came to see Jesus, to hear Jesus, to watch him heal and maybe to be healed or bring someone else to be healed. so in that group, there are three primary people that I or groups that I want us to to think about. The first is obviously I just mentioned the disciples. Um, the big group of disciples was far more than just the 12. And sometimes when we hear disciples, we just think of the 12. But this was a large group of people who were following Jesus. Now, the disciples, as a group of people, they were, they were Jewish. And so they knew Judaism, and, and they knew the law, they knew the customs. That they knew all about Jewishness. Jesus is primarily teaching this group here in this passage. This is the group that he has in mind, it seems. In verse 12, it says that he turned to his disciples. He comes down, his disciples are there, the multitude is gathered, and, and he turns to his disciples and he begins teaching. So Jesus is speaking primarily to this group of disciples, teaching them about what life in the kingdom of God is like. These are his, his followers, and so he's teaching them what it's like to follow him, what it's like to be a, a, a part of the kingdom of God in this broken and fallen world, uh, what, it, what it should look like for us to live as his, and what it, what it should, should look like for us to, to live without sin, right? To, to live as we were meant to live before sin entered into the world, that that. that would include today if he were speaking, he would be speaking primarily to, to us, those of us who profess Jesus, those of us who, who make up the church, and, and, and Jesus would be telling us this is what life in the kingdom should look like for you. This is what it looks like for you to walk bearing the image of God, bearing my image redeemed and restored. Then there was the multitude, and the multitude would have been made up uh, uh, largely, again, of Jewish people from all over the area, um, and and they would have fallen into uh, maybe a couple of, of primary subsets. In this group of Jews, this large multitude who had gathered, there were the religious and the irreligious, okay? The religious were those in that large group, men and women, who practiced Judaism, they were, they were Jewish in their beliefs. That was their faith. And they were also Jewish in their practices. Uh, they followed the law. They followed the law. They followed their religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes. They did all the things that Jews were supposed to do. They went to the temple. They observed the feasts. They observed all the, all the holidays. Um, they, they, they made the sacrifices that the law required for their sins. They greatly valued the law and their religious uh, teachers, and they worked at keeping the law. So they practiced their religion. So, so we have the disciples, we have the religious, and then we have the irreligious in the group. There would be those who came to hear Jesus and to see what was going on. Again, maybe to, to be healed themselves or bringing someone else to be healed. And because they were Jewish, they knew the Jewish ways. They knew the, the law. They knew the Pharisees. They knew the scribes. They knew the feasts and the festivals. They, 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 they didn't. That's why they were irreligious, right? They, 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 they didn't follow it. Now, often the Gospels, and this is how I know that this group of people was there, often the Gospels, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these people were referred to as tax gatherers and sinners. And they often were at things like this. They were aware of all that was Jewish, but they didn't believe it, or at least they didn't believe it enough to practice it. They were comfortable. They were comfortable in not following God. They were comfortable in their sin. So keeping those groups in mind, um, his followers, the religious, um, the, 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 the religious who were not his followers, and the irreligious who obviously were not followers at this point as well. As we go through this, keep those groups in mind. We'll talk about them. So, so the message, so let's get to the message. Luke 6, beginning in verse 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit That is in your brother's eye. So this is a very popular teaching, right? We have, we've heard this and maybe even very popular, but in one form or another, what Jesus has said this morning, very popular, but also very misunderstood. Judge not lest you be judged. So what I want to do is start out this morning by talk about what Jesus is not saying, what Jesus is not saying. Now, I mentioned the tax gatherers and the sinners who were present, the irreligious. We'll start with them. They may have heard these words and for a moment just been overjoyed, right? To hear those words, judge not. This is the teacher, the great teacher Jesus saying, judge not uh, lest you be judged. Uh, they, They, so who are you? Who are you to judge me? Only God can judge me. They may have looked at the people who were following Jesus and said, this is proof that Jesus is judgment-free. When I I say that, what I mean is those who followed Jesus, a lot of his close followers and people that he spent time with included those tax gatherers, those those sinners, the, the known prostitutes, the adulterers, the zealots, Right? The zealots were, were, were these fanatical Jews who, who justified their anarchy and even murder of, of Romans right? Be, because they were Jewish. They were drunks. They were gluttons. And so the irreligious looking at this would say, this is evidence that Jesus doesn't judge and you can't judge either. They would have loved those words if that was all that they heard. Do, do not judge, Jesus said. Don't, don't, don't condemn, Jesus said. It, it's really become popular in our culture to stop right there. It, it, to stop with that, that, that first part and say the same thing. To use this verse as a command not to judge anything that anyone does. Right? And, and we've been told, you can't judge me, only God can judge me, and, and we've come to question that, and even to believe ourselves, we, we can't judge anything that anyone does. Who, who am I to judge? Who are you to judge? Jesus said not to judge, right? So we, we've come to a, and called sins, a, and we've, we've come to dismiss or been called by others to dismiss things that the bible calls sin because we take these words out of context because we say jesus said don't judge so you can't judge who are you to judge anything in my life so those those sins of Gluttony and drunkenness and, and fanatical political views, uh, 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 adultery, the, those things that are mentioned regularly in the Gospels, we, we now have come to begin to dismiss. Those are the same sins in, in Jesus' day. But today we might add things like transgenderism. The, the normalizing of, of all that is LGBTQIA or, or a, a hot button right now is abortion. Right? And, and so we say, thank you. So we say, we, we can't say anything about those things because that is judgmental and Jesus said judge not. We have to love and the expression of love is not to be judgmental on anything. That's the culture that we have come to live in. Now I, I want to say this is not a sermon sermon on abortion, or gluttony, or drunkenness, or sexual sin, or transgenderism. It's not a sermon on abortion. What I'm saying is that all of these issues are, in one way or another, addressed in the Word of God as sin. Yet we are growingly accepting of these sins and often dismissive, in part... In part, because we have come to believe that we cannot judge, only God can. Jesus didn't judge, and clearly he says, you can't judge, and I can't judge. But is that what Jesus is saying? Now, y'all, please stick with me in this sermon and, and, and what Jesus is saying. Is that what Jesus is saying? Contextually, we have to put those words of Jesus with the rest of this section, with the rest of these verses. In fact, we we, we have to even take those words and put them with the entire body of Jesus' teaching in in order for us to say, yes, that is what Jesus is saying. We can't judge anyone for anything. If we look at this section and if we look at the whole body of Jesus' teaching, it doesn't take long for us to realize that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying you cannot judge anyone for anything or any act or action as sin. His kingdom is not a judgment-free zone. If we just take this sermon, we see judgment being made even in last week's verses, right? So I need you to think with me. Last week when Greg preached, one of the things, one of the, the big ideas there was love, right? And one of the things that is, is upside down in the kingdom of God is that we love our enemy. Like Jesus said that, love your enemy. How can someone be deemed an enemy if there hasn't been some judgment on that person? Right? I mean, you have to judge in order to say they are an enemy, do good to those who hate you. A judgment of how that person sees you has to be made. That's what leads me to the determination that this is a person who hates me and I should do good to them. I mean, clearly these are judgments that Jesus is calling on us to make. In verse 39, we read Jesus saying, can a blind man lead a blind man? He's using the picture of two literal blind people trying to lead one another um, to give us a, a, a spirit. Spiritual picture of of people who are spiritually blind. You and someone else. Now, now, even here, you're you're seeing judgment, right? You're, You're called to judge yourself as a person who is blind, but not just you, someone else who is spiritually blind. How can you how can you do that without passing judgment? How can I say that a person is spiritually blind without there being some level of judgment? And then verse 43. Jesus is actually encouraging his disciples to make judgment. You can judge a tree, he says, by the fruit that it bears. You can judge a person, Jesus is saying, on some level you can judge a person by the fruit of their lives. Now, Jesus isn't saying that we can judge whether they are his or not. He's not saying that we are in any position to judge their um, eternal destination or ultimate standing before God. But we can and should make an assessment of someone based in how they live their lives. So just in this section, without even going to the, the, the whole body of Jesus' teaching, we see that this isn't a message in support of the irreligious where Jesus would be saying that that his kingdom is free from any judgment. Live however you want to live. Love looks like this. That's not what Jesus is saying. But hear me. Neither is it a support for the religious right? Jesus is not, not offering support for the irreligious who would say, you can't judge me, but neither is he offering support for the religious. Maybe the biggest shock in Jesus' words would have been to the religious of his day, the scribes and the Pharisees. They had become the religious police during Jesus' day. They guarded the law. They protected the law. They enforced the law. Not just the law itself, but as we've talked about in the weeks past, the, 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 the many, many, many additions to the law that had been made throughout the centuries by, by, the, by the religious leaders and the Pharisees. We've seen where this led them. They, they, they were angry, for example, when we started this sermon series. They were angry that Jesus would let his disciples take and eat grain on the Sabbath even though they were hungry. They were angry and they said, this is is work. Why are you doing this? They were were angry that Jesus would dare heal a man on the Sabbath. They were angry. More than angry, they were furious that Jesus would challenge them on their understanding of the law and, and, and point out to them and to others the lack of love that they had for that man who needed to be healed. Here is the the, the thing. Their their lack of, of, of love, lack of grace and mercy as the judges of God's people, it wasn't something that just affected them. When Jesus says in our verses this morning that students become like their teachers, he's making it clear that the Pharisees and the scribes were responsible for creating a culture in Judaism of graceless and harsh judgmentalism the entire culture of judaism and jewishness in that day had become that way Uh, to them to those religious people the leaders who were religious the scribes the pharisees the teachers and, and the people who would follow them in their harshness he says judge not and you will not be judged Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will pour into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. We've already determined that Jesus isn't saying do not judge. So what is he saying then to these religious leaders? What he's saying to these harsh religious folks in the crowd is be careful how you judge. Be careful how you judge because you're going to be judged in the same way. He's actually hammering the judgmental attitudes of the religious. He's criticizing them for their blindness to their own sin. Why do you see a speck in your brother's eye and not even notice the log in your own eye? He's pointing out their prideful hypocrisy. In fact, he calls them hypocrites. You, you hypocrites. He's asking them, how can you you even see the speck of sin in the lives of others with this huge sin in your own life? How can you so harshly judge others and be so blind to your own failures, to your own failings, to your own sin?" Jesus is saying to this, this religious bunch who, who, who is there, it, it, those, those people following the religious leaders, he's saying, you, you think that you are keeping the law. You think that you are defending the law. You think that you are keeping the law. You think that you are good and you are righteous, but your heart is all wrong. Your heart is self-righteous, proud. Arrogant. It's not just that you are offering judgment, you are judgmental. Pridefully judgmental. You are you are unkind and you are unmerciful. Boy, does that sound like our culture? Everyone today seems to believe that, that they have the right answer and the right way, and we judge harshly and cruelly anyone who sees or believes different than we do. We've, we've taken up arms, and we are ready to fight anyone whose agenda doesn't match ours. Let me, let me give a quick pause here and say this. We should expect that. I'm talking to the church. I'm talking to those people who profess to love and follow Jesus. We should expect that on some level from the world. Like, it should be that way. I mean, we should just expect that from people who don't love God, people who don't follow Jesus. So, so, so while I agree that oftentimes it is cruel and, and unkind, we should expect it. But that doesn't mean that we should respond likewise. Jesus is, 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 is speaking these words to his disciples, to those who do love and follow Jesus. This is geared toward us, the church. Of all people, we should be the last to judge so harshly. I'm going to say that again. Of all people in the world, We should be the last to judge so harshly. We should be the last to be filled with hate and and rage and anger toward those who don't see things the way that we do or toward those who sin. We should be the last to be filled with this, this rage and this anger because of the sin of people who don't love and follow Jesus. We should be the last to the fight. And when we show up, we should be there to pray and not fight. I I I I think reading this and thinking through it today, I think of the years that the church has self-righteously, pridefully, cruelly, and harshly stood on the Bible's teaching about homosexuality. Did you hear what I said? Like, I think about all the years that the church, the church has stood self-righteously, pridefully, cruelly and harshly on the Bible, and on the Bible's teaching about homosexuality. We have a long history of, of, of hate and disdain when it comes to um, homosexuality, when it comes to those with same-sex uh, attractions. The, the same could be said when it comes to uh, abortion, abortion doctors, and, 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 and perhaps those who have chosen abortion. And, and like the Pharisees and the scribes, listen to me, like the Pharisees and the scribes, we are often not wrong on the law about those things. We are often not wrong about the law on those things, but we are woefully wrong in our hearts toward others. Toward others who are created in the image of God. Toward others who are broken by sin and the fall. So, Jesus, in these words, was not saying to the irreligious, this is speaking very clear, kingdom. But at the same time, Jesus is speaking very clearly to to the self righteous and prideful religious people in the group, saying, You are self righteous and prideful. And this is not the way we judge. Three groups in the crowd the irreligious, the religious, and, and that third group, the disciples. The disciples. Here we can uncover a little bit about what Jesus is saying in his words to the disciples. This was the group that he was focusing on, the men and the women who followed him. Again, what what he's teaching them is that his kingdom is not a kingdom like the irreligious, but neither is it a kingdom like the religious. Both of these groups has gotten it wrong. Right judgment, he teaches, flows out of love. Right judgment flows out of love. This was sort of the big theme last week as Greg was preaching um, in in verses 27 through 36 and and practically talking about what it looks like to love. What does it look like to love someone else, to love our neighbor? You do good to people, even to your enemy, even to those who, who persecute you. You do good to people. You bless them. You pray for them. You give to them. And in verse 36, Jesus said, be merciful to them, even as your Father is merciful to you. Mercy flows out of our love for others. If you are an unmerciful person, the problem is you don't love other people. Coming then into today's portion of the sermon. In love, Jesus is saying, in in love, we don't judge in a condemning and unforgiving way. In love, we judge others as we would want to be judged. Think about that next time we're offering judgment. That's... That's the context. Our judgment of someone else's sin is not to condemn them. It's not to belittle them or to demean them. Right judgment flows out of a love that we have for them. That means we are, we are judging someone or some action that they are taking. Our, our judgment comes from a heart that is filled, filled, filled first and foremost with love for them. Now, when, when you begin to pass judgment on someone else or on the actions or activities that they are, are doing, if the first thing that fills your heart is not love, then let me tell you, you are judging wrong. And, and what that means is in the moment that, that we see that, we need to pause And we need to remember the love that he has shown to us. The whole whole thing that Greg talked about last week, we need to remember his love for us. You need to remember his love for you. And you need to stop and repent. Repent from a heart that is not loving. Repent from not loving uh, this this image-bearer of God. Repent. Turn turn from that. Right judgment flows out of love. Right judgment is filled with humility. The judgment of the culture in Jesus' day, much like our own, was filled with, with self-righteousness. It was, it was hypocritical, and that applied to both the religious and the irreligious. They were quick to judge and condemn another while, while completely ignoring their own sins and their own shortcomings. That's why Jesus asked, can the blind lead the blind, or will they not end up in a, in a pit, in a hole, in a ditch? In pride, we deem ourselves better than someone else. That's what we're doing when we offer such harsh judgment. We are judging ourselves better than someone else, and we are ignoring our own faults. It's in pride that we are, we are judgmental. It's in pride that we are condemning. I love the way that Jesus asked the, the question, how can you even think of the speck in someone else's eye when you cannot see past the log in your own eye? Now listen, Jesus is not saying that we have to have all of our sin dealt with and done away with before we can help a friend out with their sin. If that was the case, we could never say anything because we are always dealing with sin. Jesus is calling us to, hum, to, to, to humbly acknowledge who we truly are. Jesus is calling us to humbly acknowledge that, that, that we ourselves are, are fallen and broken sinners. He's calling his people to, to humbly recognize that we are, we are in fact not better than them. Right? That's, that's what our judgment is. He's calling us to, to recognize in humility our own need for a Savior. Our own need for a Savior because we can't fix ourselves. Our own need for a Savior because we are broken and fallen, unholy and unrighteous. He's reminding me that I too need His mercy. Verse 36. He's reminding me that I too need his forgiveness, verse 37. And the truth is, I need it in the measure that Jesus describes in verse 38. I need it pressed down and shaken together to make room for more, running over and pouring into my lap. That's what I need. Christ followers, disciples, right judgment in the kingdom flows out of our love for others. And it flows from a humble heart. And then thirdly is this, right judgment seeks to help. That's the point. Jesus tells uh, the story in Luke 18 of the prayer of a Pharisee in the temple. And the Pharisee prayed. He said, I I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, cheaters sinners, adulterers, I'm certainly not like the tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. That's a man filled with pride. Blind to his own need of grace. He was he was filled with judgment, judgmentalism, pointing out the sins of others in his in his prayer and he saw himself as righteous and holy and better and not needing the same things that those people needed he's praying in in condemnation of them look how bad those people are i'm so thankful that i'm not like them he would gladly point those sins out publicly as well tearing them down but when our heart is filled with, with love for someone and we stand broken in humility by our own sin and our own need, then, then, then judgment isn't prideful and, and condemning. It flows from a real desire to help, to help someone out, to help, to help someone that you love walk with Jesus, to help them enjoy life as it was meant to be enjoyed. In, in verse 42, He says, friend, let me me help you get rid of that speck in your eye. That that really is what judgment is about. When when our hearts are filled with love and humility, that's what it's about. It's about about helping. It's about you or me helping a brother or sister out. It's, It's you helping me out in my life, not condemning me. And self-righteousness and pride, but helping me, helping me to walk with Jesus. So let me get back to some of those sins that so divide us today. There are many words and, and memes being shared uh, across social media platforms on, on abortion, um, many on transgenderism and, and, and um, the causes of the LGBTQIA, uh, among others. Listen to me, before you, before you post, before you share, before you speak a word to someone or about someone, search your heart. Is it is it is it filled with love for a for a person, for an image bearer of, of God? I don't mean the kind of love that ignores what the what the Bible calls sin. That's not really love either. I mean the kind of love that is is kind and merciful and gracious. When you, when, you, when you search your heart, is your heart broken? Is it, is it humbled by your own failings? Do, do, do you see that you have received grace upon grace when what you deserved was condemnation? From, from this love and, and humility, are you acting to be helpful to someone? to to, to help that that fellow image bearer enjoy the life that that he or she was meant to live, to walk with Jesus. And and let me ask you this, do do you love them enough? Do you care enough to walk with them in their hurt and confusion? Because if you don't love that way, you probably shouldn't say anything. don't you see this morning that this is the way of king jesus it's not just words from our king this 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 is our king don't you see this morning that that he came in love to help and not condemn i mean this is the gospel right When we deserved condemnation, Jesus came in love. He came humbly, the creator and sustainer of the universe, taking on the flesh of his creation, submitting himself even to death on the cross. He lived the life of perfection that you and I fail miserably to live time and time and time again. He submitted himself to his creation, submitting himself even to death on the cross. He died that death, the death that we deserve, so that we would not he did that in love. He did that in love for us. He did that for our, our good. On the third day, he was raised from death, defeating death and sin and Satan so that, so that we might be helped in our sin. So that we might enjoy the life that we were created to enjoy. Jesus saw our sin, he saw our lack, he saw our confusion, he saw our need, and he came. Not to judge us, not to condemn us, but to help us. He came pouring his grace out on us, grace and mercy and kindness grace and mercy and kindness and goodness pressed down, shaken so there would be room for more spilling over and overflowing abundantly on us. This should be us, right? The people of the kingdom look like the king. We we are being shaped into the image of the king and this is our king. This is the image we were created to bear. So, so let me let me close with this. If you if you are if you are here this morning a, a, as an unbeliever, um, I, I I I want you to know that this is your King. That your your, your King is not condemning this morning. He, he he has offered himself for you, his life, his death, his resurrection, all for you. Not that we, in grace, in mercy, in goodness, the gospel, it, 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 it's not that we, we have to get ourselves together and, and fix all of our sins and brokenness so that he will accept us. It is that he came to do all of that because we can't do it. And when we trust in Him, when we believe the good news of His life, death, and resurrection, then all of this is given to us, His righteousness, His holiness, His goodness, so that it is as if it were our own. And our Father sees us as as He sees His Son. And we are made sons and daughters of the King. So so today, believe the good news of the gospel. Believer. Believer. The same is true for you. Believe the good news of the gospel. Believe how it applies to who you are, who you were and who you are, and the truth that you are only righteous today, not because of anything that you have done, but because everything that Jesus has done. You are not self-righteous. If there is any righteousness in you, it is Jesus' righteousness. If there is anyone to judge anyone else truthfully in a judgmental, condemning way, it's not you or me. It's Jesus. Those words that Jesus said judge not or you will be judged. Don't condemn or in the same way you're going to be condemned. Thank God for the gospel. thank God for forgiveness in, in, in my self-righteous judgmental life that His that grace didn't just save me and now I have to fight to live perfectly reminded this week that I am forgiven even of my own failure even in my own life as a Pharisee and what do we do believers when we see sin in our life repent Repent of sin and believe the good news of the gospel. Pray, seek to be shaped into the image of Jesus. Remind yourself again and again and again, I I am that sinner. I am that person in desperate need of God's grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace to us. Thank you for the beautiful news of the gospel. that even as a believer in my failure and my shortcomings, you are gracious and kind to forgive. Father, I pray first and foremost for myself that you would remind me again and again and again that I am a person desperately in need of grace, kindness, and mercy. Help me to see my own my own failing in light of your holiness so that I would... I would, would, would not see myself as, as better, but, but Lord, for each of us, we would truly see ourselves as the Apostle Paul did, wretched, wretched people that we are, wretched people that we are, but forgiven by your grace. Help us to see that, to love like we are loved, to be kind like you have been kind to us, to be merciful like you have been merciful to us. Holy Spirit, help us. In Jesus' name, amen.